up, everybody? Um, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Blue Jay Beat Post Game Show. Um, I'm Matt Uranus, and joining me tonight is my buddy John Niatawa from the Omaha World Herald. Um, we are here to break down Creighton's 80 to 55 win over North Dakota State, um, and maybe preview a little bit about their upcoming showdown against the Iowa State Cyclones. Uh, that first, like. Ooh, big game feel at the CHI um, on Saturday. So, first things first, the Bison. Um, probably the most complete performance of the season for the Jays, uh, depending on how you um, compare it to Nebraska and Brown, right? Um, I feel like it was the most complete. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to like from this in terms of... Yeah. Is North Dakota State the best team in that? Hmm, good, good question. I'm going to say no because without Greasel, there's a downgrade yeah, there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, Great. I will uh, I'll still give Brown the edge. Although Nebraska has been playing better against a, well, a little bit of a soft spot in their schedule. Um, so, we'll see. Either way, mm-hmm. it's all kind of in the same grouping of teams. But I think right. there's, like, there's a lot of good to take away is what I was trying to say. Uh, you know, a low turnover performance. The Jays only had six. By far a season low. <laughs> um, eight steals, which fed into their offense. I think what they had. How many points off turnovers tonight? 26? 26 that's to a, 2. It's a lot. There's some outrageous numbers on the box score. Like that yeah, one. It's a friendly box score. It's a, it's the points a, in the paint, like 40, what was it? 44 to 16? Yep. Bench points, 29. Um. 1.3, three points per possession, scored on 62% of their possessions, only turned it over. Creighton ended up with 1.3 points per possession? Yep. Oh, my gosh. You were remarked about the low possession count in the first half. Yeah. They scored 80 points. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, they're, wow- they're wowing us even in <laughs> yes. after the game. So, yeah. uh, John, give me, your mean, t- give, me your, give me your initial, like, uh, you're good. Like, well, what's okay. your good list? Just, quick, tonight? just a, I'll try to keep it short because I thought defensively they set the tone. And they knocked the Jays. They knocked North Dakota State out of rhythm, just by. I mean, the players said that they were just following the game plan, which was to switch pretty much every screen. Mm. Um, they looked like they collapsed pretty hard on drivers. Like if the ball was, if the if, the, if North Dakota State's drivers or ball handlers showed them the ball, they were swiping at it. Um, I just thought Creighton was really active defensively and forced some turnovers and. That led to some easy runouts and mm-hmm. just kept North Dakota State from finding a rhythm. But it, and and Creighton kept that up in the second half. North Dakota State maybe settled in a little bit, didn't turn it over as much. Certainly, the shots didn't fall as consistently for the Bison as they did in the first half. But like what Creighton did offensively in the second half, in terms of its ball movement, just seemed everything just seemed more crisp and precise. It certainly helps when you're making shots, but it just seemed like the Jays. I mean, they pounded it down low early in the half, and then you, you know, once they got the defense to collapse, they started kicking it out for catch-and-shoot in rhythm threes, and they buried those. So, yeah, complete performance for yeah. sure. Our most complete perf- performance of the year, according to Greg McDermott. That's what he said in the postgame. I mean, so, yeah, I think, that's, hard I, think, I think the whole roster would agree. I mean, um, but I agree. I, I Just to – to bounce off your point about defense, I thought that was the tone setter. Like there was a stretch in that in the game where in the first half where 
North Dakota State turned it over on six of seven possessions, and it was of like a variety of turnovers. They had, you know, just a throwaway on a back cut on the baseline. Um, they had it stripped away just on dribble drive. They had it stripped away trying to shoot one shot like that was kind of you thought it was a block by Trey. Yeah, got credit for a steal, but and a turnover, but you know, stepped out of bounds, had it over and back. Yep, yep, stepped out of bounds, over and back. Yep. Was yep. there a travel in that one? I can't remember when that travel happened, but. Yeah, there's a lot. There's yeah, a lot that's what I mean. Things. Like they were, they were all out they, of sorts. It I felt like they were sped up, and I think that Creighton sped them up. Yeah, yeah, because you had that. You know, when that stretch was going down, like Sharif Mitchell was in the game, Ryan Nemhart was in the game, Trey Alexander was in the game, and I was just like, caught myself getting kind of blown away by the amount of speed on the court for Creighton. Not only offensively, um, but just like tenacity on the ball, like mm-hmm. just you know. Swiping at it, poking at it, stunting at it. Like, they really made North Dakota State uneasy on the offensive end. And I thought that was, like, something that North Dakota State was going to be having an advantage with today just because they're so, you know, steady with what they do. And I thought, you know, from a matchup standpoint, Rocky Cruiser has is, like, he's probably one of the better versions of those versatile fives that Creighton has faced so far this year, and Creighton hasn't done a good job of yeah. defending those guys. So so I was really curious to see how they would, you know, what game plan they would deploy to, to slow him down or at least make him more one-dimensional. And the switching defense, which Greg McDermott said they implemented yesterday in practice, um, they kind of scrapped the initial plan and decided to just switch everything and invert their defense and put the fours on Cruiser and put the fives on Nelson. Um, Turned Rocky Cruiser into a three-point shooter. He was three or four from three, so that's, you know, he's hitting threes. So that's that's maybe a bad thing, but he was only one for five off the bounce and at the rim. So they made him one-dimensional, and that was a, that was the challenge coming in, was how do you take a versatile five and just make him score from one area of the floor instead of rim and three, right. you know what I mean? So I thought from that standpoint it was a well-executed game plan from Creighton and a good sign, a good step forward for them as they try to – you know, build a little bit of an identity with this group. So I wonder how much of what we saw tonight can be is is like portable. You know, because yeah, that's always the question, right? Um, what do you think? It was game plan specific. I don't know. Is man. there anything? Is, asked, is there anything? Is there any part of it that you think? is Well, portable? I asked Greg McDermott about it, and he kind of sidestepped the question a little bit. Um, and I get it. You know, you don't want to reveal all your game plan stuff, but like. I feel like they could be a team that I – mean, like they forced the issue at times. Like they doubled hard on, mm-hmm. on post-ups. Um, they were – They were really – you know when they were really aggressive? was Like the post-up situations you're talking about. But back to – when when guys have their back to the play, they, they were really aggressive and yeah. just like – just cheating after that thing. Right. You know, and making like, – like gambling in in this regard, like – we're going to be faster to the ball than your eyes are to see the open man on the weak side. That's kind of what they did. Right. And I feel like it. a lot of times with Creighton's defense, like they are a gap defense. But in this, in this game, at least, it felt like they were in the gaps, but also very handsy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we've seen that from Creighton teams over the last couple of years. Um, but these guys are long. And like you mentioned, the quickness that they have on the perimeter – um, even when Hawkins is, I mean, he's kind of a three and a four, but right. he's got quick hands. So right. if you if you're not careful with the ball, 
to secure it. He can get. I just. I feel like Creighton has more turnover forcing potential in it. Mm-hmm. It has not forced turnovers at all this year. Like, okay, North Dakota State had twelve turnovers at halftime. There's only one team this year that had more turnovers in a game against Creighton. Against, in Creighton and, and, and for Creighton, mm-hmm. and, like they just don't. They have not forced turnovers this year. I wonder if like they're. Maybe you have to switch screens to get that out of them because it feels like uh, it almost felt against SIUE when Creighton started pressing a little bit, and you know Rati entering the game also helped too there. But like just them moving and kind of chasing the ball a little bit brought the energy up, and I'm sure they had some urgency too. But that idea of having to knowing that you have to communicate effectively and be locked in and focused and kind of be on your toes, so to speak, because you could be switching the screen at any moment, I think aided those guys. And they, they were um, just felt like they were a step quicker tonight defensively. And maybe that, you know, that strategic or tactical element of switching screens could be effective for this team. But obviously that's got to be matchup specific, I know. But I, wonder, I just wonder if um, whatever, whatever it took to get that out of them, you know, because it just yeah. seemed like they were more energetic. Okay, well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this off of that point you're trying to make here. They've had like their season high in turnovers for an opponent is 17. Brown and North Dakota State tonight. Yeah, Shreve Mitchell played in both of those games. <laughs> so, yeah, right. so how much of how much of what you're talking about is, um, you know, just like him Having, being in the game yeah. with his activity, and not only that, but like not only the results he produces, but the tone he sets, like. Greg McDermott has said it a thousand times. It's almost like a rehearsed answer at this point. When you're watching him defend, it just lights a spark in you because you have to match his intensity in order to be on the same page, right? So, like, when you look at he's played in four games this year, right? Uh, Creighton's forced 34, 41, 50 turnovers in those four games. So, I mean, that's not a great average, but two of the games have a little bit of an outlier to them in that they're both the two most you know, they had they four seventeen turnovers in both those games. Um, eight steals tonight. Eight steals against Brown. Yeah. How much of that is Sharif? How right. much what you're talking about? Is Sharif? It might be a lot. It might be a lot. Yeah. Because well, no. To be fair, he didn't start the game, and the right. starters brought it. But, uh, the, but, but the turnovers stretch that North Dakota State he started. Was that, he was on the floor for that. When it really started to become an issue. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's a... That, just that simple? <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I didn't mean to <laughs> no, kill no, the no, interest of your, of your analysis. But it, yeah. No, no, no. It could be. It could be. Because um, he was good tonight. No, he definitely, Both ends of the it, floor. I mean, yeah. I, you know, as much as... As much as we know he's fighting it still from a health standpoint, it doesn't. he doesn't show it. Like, he doesn't have a tell. Mm. You know, he, he no. plays... He's as just, fast as he ever yeah. plays. Well, I he's, thought he's tenacious I, defensively. He switches really well. I mean, against Nebraska, I felt like you could tell that he wasn't quite right. Well, that's because literally icing his groin on the bench. Right. So it's yeah. hard not to notice yeah. that. But yeah, uh, but uh, and the decisions he made wasn't great. But but after that, it was like wasn't a Brown. It felt like Sharif was back. Yeah, you know. And then uh, end of the game against Illinois, it's like oh, he's right. locking up that dude. That's like, right. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was big. Yeah, and I I don't know how they're going to manage his availability if they're just going to make him like a big game player yeah. like like you can just take off practice we'll rehab you as much as possible and when the when the lights are brightest and we need you we'll 
see how you're feeling. And Unfortunately, all the games are big from here on out, though. So yeah. <laughs> really know how. <laughs> They're kind of entering a stretch where there's a lot needed from Sharif, but I don't know. He was, like... It does. It's not always noticeable, too. I, I mean, it's noticeable that when Sharif is doing things, I just don't think I always notice how infectious it is. But it's like hard to ignore when they're turning the other team over and they're getting to the rim constantly. And yeah. Like you know, and it just takes so much off of Ryan Nemhart's plate too. And then you see he has a zero turnover game, and I, I can't help but think that correlates. Yeah, like right. Sharif being on the ball lets R two grab at least if it's not rest on the bench, it's rest on the court where he's just kind of off the play waiting for, you know, the ball to come to him so he can initiate some offense, but it's not always, you know, his effort that creates everything. Like, I just can't help but think it's all, you know, a byproduct of Sharif just being available and effective. Agreed. Agreed? Yeah. And the other thing, and we've talked about this before, but, like, Sharif changed games last year with that veteran group of guys. Like, the starters who barely, barely came off the floor. So, I mean, he would – and I just remember that Marquette game sticks out where he literally sat on the bench for, like, 30 minutes of real time, 10 minutes of game time, and then they put him in at the end of the game to defend D.J. Carden. What about the DePaul game that was one position on the stretch? Yeah. Like, they were sitting well, – Mitch, and, and Mitch actually, Ballack was coming off the floor, right. and Reef was like, go get our stops. And actually, this North Dakota State game last year, the yep. season opener, North Dakota State kind of came out on fire, and uh, and Reef subbed in and – put a stop to all that so mm-hmm. there's there so many moments last year where he was a difference maker so it just makes total sense that like on a younger course, team on a younger uh, team yeah, he's yeah. gonna be that guy yeah. and a tone setter and they need him on the court as much as possible so yeah i mean yeah well, like, look at it look at his like it, it does it, it is reflected in his line too like nine points two assists two steals no turnovers in 16 minutes and then they were plus 12 with him on the floor like Sometimes it doesn't always correlate like that, but 16 minutes, he was very productive, yeah. and the Jays were, were, you know. And, Matt, dude's a highlight reel, man, with he the is. ball. Like, he's a maniac, it, it, I call him. Yeah. He's a maniac. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you, you, you just don't know what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and because uh, that, that spin move through traffic, I was like, what? I mean, he had one layup that rimmed. That was like that. The basketball guys need to be punished for that. Like, they rimmed. That was a tough yeah, It was a good move drive, and somehow missed. Somehow yeah. missed. Somehow rolled out. Like, yeah, uh, he was. I mean, he was. He was big. It's just. He just set a tone. Like, he and just, actually, the best play that he made uh, was at the end of the shot clock where he drove left and did a baseline pass to Rati? Who then one moored it to Trey Alexander for a three? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. He's really good at that. Yes. He's really good at getting the defense to collapse and then finding shooters. He's a hard guy to stay in front of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he might, just gets the ball. He, he gets, might be Creighton's best guy at that. Like he yeah, gets he, the defense moving, you know, yes. and, and he recognizes driving lanes really well, and um, so. And he's gotten so much. He's such a better decision maker than he has been at any point yeah. in his career, too. I think that's because. You know, he just kind of understands the offense better than he ever has, too. So, it, he, it was anyway, big yeah. having him on the floor. I don't think I don't think any of what we saw tonight is an accident based I mean, on just having Reef healthy. Right, and I, I, I mean, I've, available, I should say. I've said it. I feel like after I feel like after every game that they've had, where they the Jays have started strong and then there's been a lull, and you're like the other team goes on this massive run, and you're like, man, they just need somebody to. Help him settle down, yeah. take a deep breath, and that's kind yeah. of what Reef can do. <clears throat> well, because so. like, 
you know, they haven't always been the deepest teams in the world going back these last couple of years, but it has, there usually is a spark they bring off the bench that just, or not, not even necessarily a spark, but someone that can change the way the game's going right now and then help it just settle into advantage Creighton the rest mm-hmm. of the way, where they can control everything. And I think, you know, two years ago it was Denzel Mahoney. Um, last year it was Reef. This year, Reef was supposed to be in the starting lineup, but the injury has, um, you know, made his availability kind of a day-to-day thing. So he's still in that role, but he still has that impact off the bench yeah. where he just comes in and the game just changes with his presence on the floor. Yeah, It's crazy that he has a calming effect on Creighton's play because he does not play calm. Like, he, he is chaotic. He plays, he causes chaos. So it's kind of crazy that it helps Creighton settle in when he brings but, that to the floor. Yeah, because but it's it's like you know what you're gonna get. I mm-hmm. think that's what it is about for especially for a young team having people that you can just rely on and say, Oh, Reef's coming in, well we know he's gonna do this, this and this. Yes. And so they just don't have a lot it of guys. Dials, on this it team. just dials everything up just, yeah. just you know, just a couple notches and it's like, Oh, this is this feels like a, a, a big swing in the game right here. I mean once it was, you know, you you mentioned in the first half, it's like not like North Dakota State was was like those turnovers took them out of the game. They were still scoring when they weren't turning it over. Like yeah. it, it, I don't, it wasn't until the second half when I know, but there when, was, that, when that depth and was, all that stuff started wearing. It's true. Them, it did it did like, wear it, it wear them down a little bit, but they shot like six of twelve from three, and this is a team that came into the game shooting like what were they twenty eight percent or something like that. Yeah, but they're better three point shooters than that. I know, but the, like, the guys who were hitting them, it was it was. I mean, you, I, you thought it was well, who hit who hit the threes tonight? Let's see. Well, in the first half, you had Nelson hitting. So uh, Nelson hit, hit was a, Nelson was two of seven tonight. He's thirty five percent for his career. I think or thirty five. He was thirty five percent last year. Cruiser was thirty five percent last year. He hit three of four. So that's what five of eleven for those two. Probably a little bit high. Um, but I'm talking about I'm, yeah, and and those numbers. Especially with Nelson and uh, Malik. He was over two. He's I think he's thirty nine percent. Well, I would career. say Nelson and Malik Harden Hayes. Those two guys both hit two in the okay. first half, right? Yeah. yeah. And I know uh, Harden Hayes hit a couple like in a row, right? Yeah. Right after one. Right after. A very good three point shooter for his career. So. Well, he finished two of six, but there was you know. Yeah. So I just felt like. It, but he was two for two against the Jays last year. Harden Hayes was okay. Yeah. So. And then I mean, he, the, the, he was thirty nine percent for his career. North Dakota State for sure is going to shoot the ball better than they have to start the year. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jarius Cook's a guy that was only he was only one for three, and he's thirty nine percent on the year. Yeah, but he didn't. They minutes. didn't give him good looks except for the first one he got. Yeah, he made it, and that was the only good look he got. Right. I felt like so. We, I'm gonna have to go back and watch the defense on him because he did not have much of an impact offensively. Five points on two for eight. He's a better scorer than that. I don't think I noticed who was shutting him down, but I'm not O'Connell. Alex O'Connell? I think so. Okay. Right? I, I want to agree with you, but I just I'm pretty to, sure I, it was I, O'Connell. I want to go back and watch. So, yeah. yeah. I was focused on Cruiser. Yeah, so yeah. I thought, I thought North Dakota State was going to try to really take advantage of just his versatile skill set against what ha- what are more traditional fives for Creighton than they have been in the last few years. Like, I think, I think this was more of a tailor-made matchup for a Christian Bishop who can – do some things defensively on the perimeter at the five spot that these that Ryan Kalkbrenner and Keyshawn Fizel haven't done yet at this point. So I thought North Dakota State was going to hammer that, but well, they didn't because Creighton 
switch things up. Yep. Did we talk again about that defensive performance from the Jays, switching things up there? I don't know if we talked about that yet. Did we meant yeah, the fact that Well, I, yeah. I, Ryan Hawkins and Arthur Kluma, their yeah, defense you, on you, him. You mentioned it, just the fact that they had their Creighton's fours guarded Cruiser yeah. and and uh, and the fives guarded Nelson. I feel like that... Because you told me he was going to get 12 points on four for nine. I was like, yeah, Creighton's kicking their what, ass. What was the other game? They, what, oh, I guess it was uh, Colorado State, right? Yeah, David they, Roddy. They, yeah, they did not have Cockburner and Fizel Garden and Roddy. No, they did. They Did they? Oh, yeah. My bad. And they weren't respecting the three-point shot. I know that they were giving it, giving that up. But that was but that was that was by design. Yeah, it was it was yeah. that was the five five matchup there. Okay, maybe maybe I'm thinking of the uh, and then Trey Sampson hurt him in the first. Trey half Sampson, before, Pine Bluff. Yeah, that game he where, hurt them in the first half and then before they, they switched the O'Connell yep. and Hawkins onto him. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so it had, it had been a bad matchup for Creighton up to this point. But if you told it like I'm again, if you had told me that Cruiser was going to score 12 points on nine shots, and that half of them were going to come from the three point line, I would have said, "Yeah, Creighton's kicking their butt." Mm. I would, I would, I would have said Creighton wins a wins comfortably, because that's I just don't I did not expect them to stop him. Yeah. So I guess kudos to the Jays' defense for stopping him. And Grant Nelson looks like he's going to be a player, but he just I don't know like. He's a little bit perimeter happy, and he kind of just shied away from finishing inside against a. Well, he had matchup advantages. I know, he but didn't. Creighton was so aggressive against him in particular when he put the ball on the floor early, and I yeah. think it scared him yeah. off a little bit. Yeah, that was a good plan by them. Because I mean, he was three for ten, and t- seven of those attempts came from three. Yeah, that's not his game. And he at had all. four turnovers. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, and he had four offensive rebounds, and didn't. He only scored. He only hit three shots. <laughs> yeah. Um. What do you think about Creighton's offense? Because I felt like early, at whatever something clicked toward the end of the sec, at the end of the first half. It felt like Creighton found something within its ball screen offense, yeah, that North Dakota State couldn't handle. Because all of a sudden, Nimhard was like repeatedly getting into the lane, and maybe well, he we, was. We were we were like perplexed by their ball screen coverage. Yeah, I know. Well, right. p- possibly it. He, he gotten, is shooting fifty percent from three. Yeah. I don't know if that's like something that teams just are respecting now, but with that statistic, North Dakota State played him like they played Marcus. Like they were honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was drop coverage. Marcus didn't see a whole lot of drop coverage in his career, but it was. But they were going over screens, and the and and Nemhard's man was trying to like stay on his hip and not let him, yeah, not let him shoot threes. I think, were, I think Nimhard, they were funneling him downhill. I feel like into, I, I think Nimhard maybe into the paint. maybe he missed a couple lobs and, or he he shot a couple floaters that maybe he was a little bit indecisive. Yeah. early and maybe that was just the difference. He was like, "Okay, I see what they're doing." And he made that switch, but I it felt like all of a sudden Creighton, I mean, I I could probably go back and look at it, but like Creighton started scoring at will inside oh, yeah. at the end of the first half, oh, yeah. and then to start the second, obviously it did too. His first twelve points were all in the paint, um, and some of that was ball screen. Some of it was just recognizing a mismatch inside or getting the ball to their post um, on the block. But yeah, I, I, that, I'm really eager to go back and look at it a little bit. Just what <laughs> what happened mm-hmm. defensively for North Dakota State because Creighton it basically just started playing like two man game. Yes, over and over again, and yeah. they, and they maybe maybe, maybe they took a little bit of the SIUE film and saw that like if you 
just give Nemhard a lane, but you close it off with some length. Maybe maybe the 4.3 turnovers a game that he was yeah. averaging is a bit of like the game moves a little bit too fast for him what? and decision making isn't great. So make him go downhill and make decisions in traffic. Yeah. And make, Tonight, him, and make, his, him, make him score more, true. more often yeah, yeah, yeah. than you can. Like if yeah. you, you prefer to like stick the shooters so that way you don't, he doesn't have a outlet. Right. And you and he for, you force him like you said to go up against. But there was a difference in the way he was approaching tonight. Like he kept yeah. his dribble alive. I mean, there was one time where he drove, <laughs> drove baseline and then went back out to the elbow and then back baseline again. Like yeah. he, he, like he literally full, dribbled into two full circles around North Dakota State defense. Like, yeah. So he did a better job of keeping his dribble alive and probing, as opposed to North Dakota State or SIUE where he would get to his kill spot and then like leave his feet or try to spray the ball somewhere where he thinks his teammate is like that was what was causing most of his turnovers in that game tonight he kept his dribble alive a lot longer and made a lot smarter decisions and I think that's why he had zero turn North Dakota State doesn't force a ton of turnovers anyway so some of that is the the opponent like I think when you go back and look last but year, like with that said they played some teams that do not Force turnovers. Yeah, accurate. <laughs> and they have given the ball away. Yeah, last year in this game, Creighton only had four turnovers. Yeah. So and it was it was their lowest turnover game of the year as well. So it's it's kind of North Dakota State style, but that's not taken away from you know a much improved game from a ball security standpoint for the Jays across the board, but primarily Ryan Nemhart and in, in just keeping his dribble alive and um you know. Making sure he knows where he's going with it before he and honestly, Matt, like it. so, they had six turnovers. Two were on high-low entry passes, which were both just yeah, like just, in a, just a little bit timing off. Yeah, yeah, and and probably shouldn't throw. At least don't throw him the way you throw him. Well, if you're gonna throw him to Ryan Kaufman or throw like him throw him up yeah, at the like rim, throw it at the ceiling. Yeah, and, right. you know. So those two, and then there, I know there's an offensive foul on. Uh, O'Connell, yeah, right yeah. when he put the shoulder down. Yeah, I was looking down. On that. And there might have been another offensive foul on. Uh, did did, uh, did they get Bezel for one? Yeah, offensive foul. Offensive foul. Yeah. That's five turn. That's a that's five of the. Turn- I don't know what what did Roddy do. He got a turnover for something. I don't remember that. Oh, he uh, <laughs> he had Modestus on the slip to the rim, and he like didn't throw it right away. And then Modestus kind of faded out a little bit to the block, and then he just threw it at the distinction. <laughs> oh, I see. It was late in the game. I yeah. I do kind of remember that. Now. Yeah. No, it was like a dunk, but. Roddy saw it too late. Gotcha. Yeah. So that was his only turnover. Game was already in hand. And I think Arthur got the ball taken away on a drive one time in transition. That's right. Yeah, that's um, okay. That's six now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, I don't know. Really good performance by the Jays. Ryan Cockburn had three more blocks tonight. What's he at for the season now? He's got to be catching up on. His blocks are Nice. It's crazy how he like you look down at the block category and you feel like he should have like seven, and then he's it's uh like two or three. Yeah. Um, where's he? So he has thirteen thirteen blocks in his last three games. Yeah, he's he's at two and a half blocks per game now. He's starting to. I, I feel like he's starting. Like, I don't know. Just if I, dominate games at the rim. He's just. Be, he's just yeah. like his confidence just seems to be exploding. And 
you know, I wonder if I mean, he's starting to shoot free throws better. He just looks more confident all around, you know? Yeah. Everything about him, there's that one uh, post-up he had in the first half where he just um, was patient, played through a little bit of contact, rose up for, like, a jump hook mm-hmm. uh, in the paint. Like, I feel like he's, you know, there, there, there's... Like, what do you think the trade-off is with him right now? Like, he's shooting 73%. What do you think he's allowing? <laughs> oh, <laughs> gosh. Well, Synergy probably hasn't updated the shot chart yet, but that's the first thing I'm looking up tomorrow morning is, like, what is... What are teams shooting inside five feet against Creighton? Like, I can't – that number's got to be insane. Like, that disparity has to be crazy. Because even when he doesn't block the shot, like, they don't they, – no, no, they don't finish easily against him, you know? Like, there's no, a no. lot of shots altered against him. I don't even know why teams go inside anymore. It's driving me – it's like, do you, do you think that's going to turn out differently? Yeah, I mean, if I were playing Creighton, I'd – I mean, the problem is you can't – Crane's been doing drop coverage lately with with Calpreter, yeah. just letting him sort of stick his feet in the paint. So it, it becomes mm-hmm. a little bit different because you're thinking like, well, well just there was there was death, that but. one possession we were we were going back and forth when uh, what's his name? Well, I can't think of his name. Oh, uh, Malik Harden Hayes. He had Calpreter guarding him at the three point line, and no one, like all four dudes, were on the other side of the floor. Yeah. Like, why aren't you taking that to the rim? Like that's your that's a blow by dunk right there, you know. Right. And he ended up hitting a three off some ball reversal, and it came back to him. So you won that argument because he knocked down a three. But still, I'm like, why are you like looking for offense now, when I, when the seven footer is guarding you at the yeah, three? Like, so I, what I'll say though is, and this is something I've learned from watching Creighton actually, is sometimes if you have a miss mismatch, attacking it right away isn't always the best move. You kind of want to move the ball, reverse it a little bit, and see if you can attack it again off a closeout or mm. just the defense moving a little bit. Yeah. So, um, I a remember, little shift in a late rotation on the other side. Yeah, the second time in a, Creighton second has time these like Creighton has this one set play where it um, like I don't know if it how, I, don't, I don't really know how to describe it, but ultimately it ends up with a, a ball being passed to the top of the key. Um, to the player who has the mis- mismatch, mm. and he can drive on his dominant hand right by him. And it's like they, they would, they'd run this thing repeatedly against teams that would switch everything. Yeah. And it was, it was money. <laughs> so, I don't know. That, that, that's just a little inside basketball. Anyway, here, here's what Ken Palm says. It's, he's updated his stats, and it's not within five feet, but it's two-point field goal percentage. Okay. So Creighton's ninth in the, con- in the country. At fifty nine point six percent on two point field goals, two point field goal offense, offense. Okay, defensively they're forty ninth in the country, allowing forty three point seven percent. So the difference is yeah. I feel like we, I feel like if we, if we bring that close to the rim, it's it's going to be that forty three percent goes down. And Creighton's now up to thirty fourth in the country in block percentage, which I gotta imagine is. The highest they've the ever highest been. <laughs> been. Maybe in the Ken Palm era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe, I mean, the, maybe, maybe ever, the Justin Patton year might challenge I was going to say, if Creighton's like, ever been top 100, I'd be shocked. But. <laughs> oh, yeah. at Justin Patton year, they were... Uh, nope. Nope. They were not up there. So Okay. So, yeah. 233rd. Maybe. <laughs> 
Well, that's a half an hour of blabbering. Let's get to questions, shall we? I gotta go through and like all the questions and make sure I don't miss any. That's my new marker this year. Which is tough, because I think likes pop into your timeline, don't you? So I'm probably sending this random-ass stuff into it. people's timelines. But Maybe that means that... It helps the, me mark the question. Maybe that means in the future they'll see it. They'll be like, what is this? Yeah. Maybe I should participate in Matt's Maybe. post-game pod. Oh, true. Right? Yeah, like it encourages people to... I think so. that maybe that's possible. Yeah, okay. It does seem like I think you, we've gotten good engagement I was going to say, I feel year. like you've gotten like, a lot of good... Yeah, especially when you're on. Oh, wow. People like you. Uh, I mean, I like you, so I don't blame them. Um, nice. I think the first question we got... You didn't like that compliment? You're like, that's... <laughs> no, that was I, was, awkward. I was saying it was nice. <laughs> like, you got a little shy there. Um, Bruce Bartholomew... Barthala? Barthalau? Barthalau. How do you say that last name? How would you say that? I don't like pronouncing names that I've not tried. Just stay, stick with Bruce. Just say Bruce wants yeah, to know. Okay. Right. Bruce B. Sorry, Bruce B. That's good. Um, is John going to relish Purdue's run to the Final Four or overreact to any missteps along the way? First of all, this question aged really well tonight with Ohio State beating Duke because now it thrusts you into that. My like, alma mater. Yeah, yeah, like that placeholder number one. It hasn't been fully updated yet. You can still mess that up for yourself, but... Right now, everyone thinks Purdue is the best team in the country right. as of, what, 35 minutes ago? Mm-hmm. So, are you going to relish this run to the Final Four that Bruce is predicting for the Boilermakers, or are you going to overreact to every loss they have this season? Yeah, I won't overreact. I, the, my, my, like... John's not much of an overreactor. Yeah, I, in my younger days, as a fan, I definitely would. How old are I you right now? 35. Oh, okay. But, you know, I'm not... I've, now I'm kind of in the business of trying to have trying to a measured one day approach and, yeah. and not dive into the ups and downs of fandom. I'll allow myself to get emotional at times, um, but, you know. How did you do it as a student reporter? Were you? Does that I wasn't good at that. No? No. <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure me and a buddy were, like, fist mumping underneath the <laughs> press box table. Like, so I don't want to out him, but I sat next to a uh, – I won't out him. He knows who he is. He knows I love him. Uh, Creightonian reporter at the Nebraska game. And when Creighton got off to that crazy hot start, like, he was losing his mind next to me. I'm like, dude, you can't be. Yeah. Like, you're in. The, first of all, you're in dangerous territory to be doing that. <laughs> it's like, second. It wasn't as hostile in the yeah. in PBA this last time. But, yeah. but, I mean, we would have yeah, been like, we would, like, some Nebraska reporter would have, like, filmed us. And, like, I don't want to be on a part of that. So I was like, just calm down, like. Text your friends or something. Um, so yeah, I can. I, I've seen that. Yeah, as a student reporter, yeah, for I sure. was definitely a little. I mean, <laughs> this where do they put you at, Mackie, when you're a student reporter? The we sat courtside back. Oh, in the damn, day. you were going to courtside? Yeah, was, there was good, good seats. And so, no, I actually when I was a student, this wasn't even an Indiana, or this wasn't even a Purdue game. It was an Indiana game, but okay. I was sitting courtside. <laughs> it was a Big Ten tournament. Okay. You know. Purdue's game I'd already filed my story so I just sat courtside to watch the end of the Indiana game mm-hmm. and uh, Minnesota threw a full court pass with you know whatever it is a second left to do catches it and hits a turnaround jumper and I just like jumped up <laughs> sitting in press row jumped up and like fist bumped and put my heads on or my hands on my head and it was 
it was not a good look, and you can actually if yeah. if, if I pull up the video, the you video? can see me in the oh, background. Oh, I'm looking this yeah. up later. <laughs> Everybody, do your research. We got to find this video. We got yeah. we got to post this on so, Twitter by tomorrow. Uh, yeah, and it wasn't a wasn't a great moment for me, but. You know, hey, no, man, no. you only it, get, it like, a, so much time in life to celebrate it was a crazy your play. rival's down points and your high <laughs> yeah. points. Like, I t- I'm not even going to shame you for it at all. I am going to find this thing and post it on Twitter, but that's all. it's all through love. I'm not shaming you for it at yeah. all. Others may. That's fine, mm. but just know I respect that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could be a really special season for Purdue and Purdue. Yeah, hasn't, like, this, Purdue hasn't made the Final Four. I mean, they lost to Providence, and then all of a sudden, they're just like a wake up call. <laughs> Yeah, the scrimmage were. Um, I think if that hadn't been publicized, they would have like taken it differently. Or do you think it like and, like all oh, that we got to prove ourselves now? Like everyone thinks we suck or overrated. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but I I, I feel like uh, when Purdue made the run to the Elite Eight and lost to Virginia, you know Carson Edwards went off and one of the best single game performances in the NCAA tournament history. I feel like he still doesn't get enough love for what he did to Virginia that day. Yeah, because Purdue lost. But uh, and they lost in uh, like this fluky, crazy way anyway. But um, with a back tap on a missed free throw, I recall crazy. very vividly. I think yeah. I was texting you. Yeah, um, <laughs> I remember thinking like, oh, uh, you know, it had been a while since Purdue had been to the Elite Eight. I think yeah. it would have been since two thousand. And so I, you were very devastated after that. You I remember thinking that if if, it, if it's nineteen years again before they made the Elite Eight again, that would be pretty rough. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. You know. Crazy things happen in the NCAA Doesn't it feel like – I know this is a Creighton podcast, but doesn't it feel like Matt Painter, like, always kind of gets forgotten about until Purdue, like, well, gets, he has gets rolling? And it's like, oh, yeah, they have Matt yeah. Painter coaching them, and they're really good, like, every year. Yeah, but he hasn't – Like, had, how bad are their down years for Purdue? Well, they they had a down year when the, the COVID happened, and that quietly went under the radar because <laughs> COVID. Well uh, – Understandable. But, no, they don't. They don't have a lot of down years. There's, there's no question about that. But no, like, I actually think Greg McDermott is similar in this way, where you, until you make that big splash in March, mm. you know, from a national perspective or just a casual college basketball fan perspective, you know, you know produce Matt Painters had they made three straight Sweet Sixteens, you know, obviously just made that Elite Eight run a couple years ago, mm-hmm. but. You know, he hasn't made the Final Four yet. And, like, Greg McDermott was like, well, he hasn't made the Sweet 16 yet. So um, you got to prove yourself in March before you yep. start getting the the love from everyone. And that's where Purdue's at. If you were to rank the – if you were to rank the coaches, where would you put Painter? All coaches nationally. Where would you put him? What tier? I think you got to put him in the top tier now. Yeah, because I don't think it's I, would, I don't think it's as national title centric as it would usually be. Yeah, but how many coaches are still around that have won national titles? Tony well, K. So if you said, but I wouldn't put K up there anymore, right? I wouldn't. Either. I'd say like Tony yeah. Bennett, Jay Wright, Mark Few hasn't won one yet, but he essentially is. He's definitely at that level. Is Scott Drew at that level? I mean, it feels definitely like not. he's there. Hundred percent. Yeah. Bill Self. That Baylor rebuild is insane. Bill Self. I don't know if you can put Matt Painter up there yet. I don't think you can. You can't put Matt Painter in a Bill Self conversation? I don't know if you can. Man, Bill Self's riding that national title to some... I know, but I've seen... If you talk about Purdue's into a tournament success and I know. versus Kansas's, like... I mean, yeah. they, first of all, Purdue's whipped Kansas in the NCAA tournament. No. I remember one of them. Kansas has whipped Purdue in the NCAA tournament. Didn't Robbie Hubble go off in Omaha against them? Yeah, Kansas won that game. Because I've seen Bill Self make some really 
incredible strategic. Oh, he's decisions. an amazing coach for sure. But I'm, I think Painter's on that level. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. That was a long Purdue topic, but we got to give John some love as his team. You know what I mean? That's a school. That's they trained him to be the Jays reporter that he is. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I got trained by Gene Cady. Did you really? Gene Cady yelled at me a couple times. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, who's who's yelled at you more, Mac or Gene Cady? You've been on the Mac beat for what five, six years now. I mean, Gene Cady. No, he didn't yell at me too much, actually, now that I think about it. He yelled at other people, and I learned my place very quickly. Oh, you were, like, in earshot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. So how many times did he yell in your vicinity? I don't know. I, I just like, remember this, I remember this one you. press conference where somebody asked uh, the question twice, and he just, in a mocking, oh. mockingly, or mocking tone, just, like, berated them with a really basic answer about not being able to get around screens and he like demonstrated it with his hands and <laughs> in a very passive aggressive <laughs> fun times that would have been a fun guy to cover for a minute he's this incredible or incredibly nice dude really yeah i mean i i've had once he once he retired from coaching at, at purdue we had some great conversations nice yeah, that's probably like something that you'll take with you for a long time. Um, again, for some reason, one of the more underrated, like all-time great coaches. I think Purdue's ne- got made, that about them. Never made reason. a Final Four, though. I know, but they that's were it. they were always really good when I was a kid. Yeah, you know. Um, Darren wants to know in the sample size so far, which players seem like they are clearly in their role, and who is still trying to get comfortable in the role they're going to be in. Man, I don't know if That's anyone's settled really in yet. Tough question to answer. Um, I mean, Ryan Nemhard probably has settled in. Ryan Kalkbender has probably settled in. Ryan Hawkins has probably settled in. Alex, too? That's I still feel That's like Alex it. has some a Keyshawn. little bit of room. One of the things I've talked about with Alex O'Connell is like being able to – because he's putting forward so much energy defensively. Yeah. That, like, stamina and knowing how much – you can like how to manage sort of your gas tank. Yeah. I don't know how to describe that, but there's only I'm with you though because he has like spurtability offensively, and it's he started not... games really well. Yes, yes. And then it's like, where would he go offensively? You right. know what I'm saying? And and I, I he's definitely not he's he said that he's it's not going to force the issue offensively, right. and he's going to let the game come to him. And they obviously draw up some stuff for him early and he gets going and I think that helps the team mm. because like we've said earlier, veterans who are consistent and can give you something um, to calm everybody's nerves is huge. But he's kind of been a first half player, at least offensively. He's brought it defensively the whole game. But mm-hmm. I wonder if um, there's still if he's still kind of settling into like, okay, in this offense, what do, what does the team need for me? Um Especially as the game goes on and, and they start, you know, teams are adjusted and he's trying to figure things out. So, Man, Creighton really spread out the game today. He only played seven minutes in the second half. Well, even in the first half, that's why I asked They him. only had, like, Roddy had 11 minutes in the second half. That's their, that's the most anybody played. Yeah, because he half. kind of finished the game. Yeah, really Hawk, Hawk, Kalk, and so both the three Ryans were all at 10 minutes. I felt like and Roddy was at eleven. Everyone I, else was at single digits. I I, I kind of be interested to go back and chart it, but I felt like Greg McDermott was, and he he said he was a little bit in the first half before the game even got out of hand. I felt like they 
we're cycling guys in and out a little bit more, mm-hmm. just subbing more frequently. And he McDermott mentioned that well, they had one they had Sharif back into into the rotation, and he felt like Rati had earned some more playing time. So that's essentially, I mean, it's essentially adding two more guys to your eight man rotation, right? Yeah. So and we wondered about that before the season started. Could they stretch it to ten? Yes. And could you manage? Could you manage a game and make depth your make depth an advantage for you without having to just like settle into that seven eight man rotation that you trust to play, you know, sound disciplined basketball for the majority of the time and get you. Yeah. Okay. So I had I had the numbers off though. It's, it's is an eight man. They've been rolling with an eight man rotation. You add Sharif in there, it's nine. <coughs> right. Right. And then Roddy makes it ten. No, I think Roddy is nine. Roddy is nine. Yeah. Because, so they must have been, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Because in in the Virgin Islands, yeah, Roddy's go- yeah, Roddy's nine. In the in the, eight, yeah. in the Virgin Islands, they were going with eight with Reef in the lineup. Yeah, that's right. And I wondered, okay, can you? Is that what it is? Is it eight? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, like they but, they but, can, especially if you're trying to manage a couple guys through some nicks right now, like. You know, Hawkins wasn't one hundred percent tonight. Reef obviously wasn't. They want to limit our twos. Yeah, minutes if, a little you, bit. if you think if you think fatigue is causing Nemar to be a little bit more mistake prone in stretches, then having him at twenty seven minutes and then the zero turnovers, you might think that correlates. Yeah. You know, Alex O'Connell, I would you know, at nineteen minutes is low, but the game was also a blowout, so I didn't need to be on the floor a whole lot. You know, Kaufman was at 25, Kalum was at 21, Hawkins 22, Keyshawn 11, Reef 16, Trey 20, Roddy 17. Like, that seems doable. Is there anybody in that grouping that you feel like, you know, because that's the question. If Creighton's going to play 8-9 deep, is there anybody in that grouping that like becomes unplayable in certain matchups. I feel like they all can bring something. That's what and, I mean. And yeah, yeah. The, no, there might be some matchups where they, I mean, where you have to lean toward other guys. Yeah. But I think that they, they shorten all shorten the rotation a little bit to get through it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But I, I feel like they all can contribute. And, and the question was about roles, and I, I don't know. I think you're seeing that like guys are finding ways to impact the game. They're trying to be a little bit more consistent with what they do but um i'm not sure like i'm not sure especially with the freshmen aside from nemart uh ryan nemart like with kaluma with rati with trey mm-hmm. i don't think that they've settled in yet i think that you've no, seen flashes from them of what they can do and where they well, can the other, fit the but other part of it is too like their schedule is going to get really really tough from basically here on out so we're going to find out pretty soon who can handle yeah who can handle what Creighton's going to have to deal with for the next two months and who can't. And that'll dictate the rotation. That's true. That's you know, true. The rest of it will be just, like, injury-related. Like, if this guy can't go that day, this right, guy right. has to play more minutes, that kind of thing. But right now, it's like – right now, it feels like they've managed this pretty well, and it seems like they can um, rotate nine guys into the action. So – you know, Iowa State, BYU, Arizona State, Villanova, that's going to tell Creighton a whole lot about who's capable of doing what at this point right now. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? 
Like there might not be a better stretch of the season for Creighton to find that out than what they got coming up here this first two, three weeks of December before Christmas. Um, yeah, so that was kind of a long answer around that question. Hope we talked about that enough, though. Should see you just give up on threes. Yeah, the balance tonight was way out of whack, wasn't it? Uh, what, they were 26 of 46 inside the arc, 6 of 15 from three? They are. What was what? what they we, are three hundred and fifth in the country in percentage of points from the three point line. Yeah, that's insane for Creighton. I mean, Creighton. And Did you ever think you would say that stat about Creighton? And no, think they no, would no, be no, seven no. and one. Right, right, right. Yeah, thirty two point eight percent of their field goals from three right now. Mm-hmm. This team is usually forty five percent, like 45 percent somewhere around there. Healthy. Yeah. Um. I mean, they probably are going to have to shoot it better than 31% from three, which is where they're at right now in the season. For sure. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, They're like, also more dynamic off the bounce this year. So, like, it might not be necessarily um, them being incapable of shooting threes. It's just, like, that's what teams know they can do. In inherently, so they yeah. try to take it away from them first and foremost, and make them a downhill driving team, you know. But they have guys who can score inside. So when Creighton does attack off the bounce, they don't like, they don't necessarily look to find the three point line again, you know. They'll back guys down if they have good matchups. They'll look to attack the rim, you know. They have good guys. They they have guys who can score in that intermediate range. Like Nemhart's got a floater game. Reef's got a floater game. Alice O'Connell can raise it, rise up and shoot that mid-range jumper. Arthur Kaluma's got good elevation in that mid-range area. Like, it's not a no zone for them. You know what I mean? Normally, you know, you don't want to shoot. Like, normally they're a three-and-rim team, but this year's group is built a little bit differently. They can attack off the bounce and score in that area. It's not not like – it's not a no-fly zone anymore. They can score in there. Yeah. And I think think it's okay for them to look for offense in that spot because they have guys who are really athletic. Yeah, the question, the question is just like how much, you know, as they as the level of competition rises and scouting reports become a little bit more yeah. expansive, how much is that? How much how much of that is still available? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean gonna, they ran some they ran some mid range pick and roll today, like it wasn't yeah. always high ball screen, right? Like they, I to, in order love, to get in order to get Cockburner some good touches inside. I, I love that. Patches. I love it when they run those ball screens at like the elbow. Yes, that seems that's what just I mean. like really yeah. tough to defend. Also, they uh, we saw a Arthur Kaluma ball screen with uh, with Cockburner that yeah. he dished. To, I was like, I like that. Mm-hmm. He's a good playmaker, right? Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that look. Um, yeah, I mean, okay. So here's the stat: they they this year they've had two games where they shot. Three point attempts, fourteen. They've had like they finished the game with fourteen three point attempts in the last eight years. That's only happened twice. Oh wow, wow! It's happened twice this year. In the previous eight years, it's only happened twice. That's crazy. Fourteen threes attempted today. They were at fifteen, mm-hmm. six of fifteen. I honestly, when I go back and look at you know some of the comebacks that Creighton had here at home, mm-hmm. some of their best stretches of offense, they weren't even trying to hit threes they weren't even looking at three you know yeah. they were really attacking inside and 
uh, got themselves back in games by playing through their posts or, or like you said, attacking off the off the bounce. So I don't know, man. I mean, we're definitely starting to see that they that that's a strength of theirs is to get. I inside. mean, you cited the two point field goal stat earlier. I mean, yeah, if you're ninth in the like, country and you and, scoring there, why not? Yeah, you know. And last year's team was made up differently, but. It's. Not, I guess my my point here is that it's not out of uh, completely out of character in McDermott's offense to be efficient inside the arc. Mm-hmm. Last year's offense or last year's team, Creighton team, was really good inside the arc. Yeah. That was largely because teams stretched out on the three point line and just said, "Hey, you're one on one playmakers, or your your playmaker is going to have to beat us one on one." And you know, fortunately for Creighton, they had like Damian Jefferson and. Marcus Segarowski and Christian Bishop, who could dominate one on one matchups. Could win yeah, exactly. Creighton last year finished 11th in the country in two point field goal percentage, um, but they also shot the three really well. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, the second half, uh, what Creighton did offensively and the three point looks they got, those shots, those will play. Yes. It does. I, and. I know that all those guys are probably still hoping to gain, gain a little bit more confidence as shooters, but um, well, especially if, if, if especially, the formula is you know what the, you know what go the good thing is like you know just on your point here is like you watch that SIU game back. I don't know if you did or not, but like their shot selection was horrid. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying that's putting as currently well, as I possibly can. Like, and there were tonight some, they were much crisper yeah. in terms of like just taking the right shots. Yeah. Well, and that so is, that, like, regardless uh, of it coming from two or three, it's about taking smart shots. They yeah. took smart shots tonight. So many instances in, in the SIUE game where it was like that. It, it was a lot of uh, the the settling for average to good shots yeah. versus looking for the great one. Yeah, yeah. And tonight it felt like they got a lot of great looks. Hundred percent. Yeah. It just uh, it just supports your point about like where it's coming from. It doesn't matter. It's like like just find the best shot available. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you can score at all three levels with this team. I think. You know. Like, yeah, you look at their three-point shooting numbers and they're not great, but it doesn't mean they're incapable of... I mean, we saw the Nebraska game. Like, what they they were 10 for 23 in that one after going one for 19 against Kennesaw. And it's not like Nebraska wasn't prepared for what Creighton does there. Like, they just took the right shots. Yeah. That's the key to it all. Like, you'll live with the results if you're taking the right shots. And more times than not, just the way Creighton's offense operates, they'll have better shooting nights than bad shooting nights. Um, y'all think Christophilus has a cool shooting form? Yeah, I feel like he. He's he, got a good. I feel like he gets he he elevates. Yes, with his jumper, he gets like on top of the ball. He feels like if there's a if that makes any sense. High points it, like yeah. Well, it's like, just like it, you're. Yeah, it's like he elevates, like you said, and then like there's you know it just comes off right. straighter. Well, I, when I, I have said this before, I don't know if I said it on, on your podcast before, Matt, but I feel like when I watched the highlights of him when he was in high school, mm. like he hit a lot of contested shots on the move, hand in his face, and I think it's because he can get up and elevate mm-hmm. with his jumper. And so, yeah, he can shoot that off balance going to his left. He did it a lot this summer. Yeah, like I know summer league's not like. But you can find out what shot he likes. Yeah, exactly. You know where his you know what his money move is and what he likes. So yeah, he's the one guy I think, or not the one guy, but he's one of the guys on the on the roster that I think the coaching staff is comfortable like you can shoot pretty much whatever you want mm-hmm. in terms of like coming off screens, pull ups, all that kind of stuff. Whereas uh, 
some of the other guys are, are try to be a little bit smarter with their shot selection. But yeah, uh, Booker Wood Foxes wants to know locks, rebounds, and monster dunks. Is that the new identity for this team? Uh, well, blocks would be right. We talked. We just said we were kind of shocked by. They that. got out rebounded tonight, so I don't the, know. Rebounding <laughs> margin is not a thing, John. Do you ever talk? <laughs> we ever talked about that? <clears throat> no, I know. Okay, but I, I mean, when you give up sixteen offensive boards, I guarantee yeah, that's that a, that's a lot. Defensive rebounding percentages is going to look good. Yeah, for sure. Or, oh God, they were twenty-one out of thirty-seven on the defensive glass tonight. That's fucking terrible. What is that? What's that percentage? That's barely. That's a terrible percentage. What's that? 21 out of 30? Why can't I do that in my head? I don't know, but it's not good. No, it's and not. I felt like Creighton started the year off pretty good and yeah. as a rebounding team. And, and the last week, and the, this game included. Um, it feels like they're like not they're not. It feels like they're there, but they're just not. Jesus. It's 57%. That's, that's dreadful. That's Defensive like, rebounding percentage. Yeah. Um, it feels like they're just like not securing the ball, like that, you know, just that two hand fundamentals. You know, they're kind of and, going up with like. And they kind of feel like there are times when they just turn to out jump them. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So who's the first team that exploits that then? Because that's been kind of it, it has been trending in the wrong direction a little bit. What's I, that? Iowa State's got some physicality, but I know I don't know if they're a team that's really going to like crash up yeah. the glass. Did Harms come back for BYU? I don't think so. Let's see what their team's like this year. Just click on Kimpon while they're still undefeated. Who are they have? Utah Valley. I didn't realize. B- I didn't realize about by the way that BYU is up to twelfth in the AP poll. Are they really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, they shouldn't do rankings this early in the season. <laughs> Whoa! So much craziness. <laughs> there is, but they're a oh, they're a small team. I mean, Iowa State. They go six nine six two six one six eight six 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 five six five six nine, and the six nine guys are freshmen. Iowa State's eighty ninth in the wow. country. BYU is real small. That's going to be interesting. Um, I, I, Iowa State's eighty ninth in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. So maybe BYU seventeenth. Seventeenth in what? Offensive rebounding percentage. What? Um, yeah. I thought you just said they were super small. I said they were small. I didn't say they were bad at rebounding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's, well, yeah. I would say BYU might exploit it. Crane's going to yeah, do better. We'll find out. But, well, yeah, the blocks are... What was the question? Oh, yeah, blocks. The yeah, the identity of the team. Yeah. Identity. I mean, I think... Um, I think, honestly, this game... You know the the engage level of engagement and activity on defense and playing through the post or playing inside first. Yeah, inside then out. That might be the identity. Yeah, I mean, like it's funny because like they're eight. In, they're, in like they're only eight games in, so it's like I don't know if the identity is is in view yet. Yeah, that's true. That's so, point. but I do think this next stretch will tell us because it's not going to get any different after this. Like uh, I don't know, they're going to get better though, even after. You think about that. Think about that team, though, in in twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. that didn't really find its footing until March, maybe the end of February. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's a fun question for you. I don't know why I think I should put you on the spot first, since I thought of the question. I should have to answer it first. But 
How many, uh, let's, let me just check real quick. Two. Okay, so that, that 19 team you're talking about, 2018-19, they had two four-game losing streaks and one stretch where they lost three out of four. Yes. Okay. So the question, and if you think this is unfair, I sh- and I should have to answer it first, then that's fine. How many four-game losing streaks does this team have right. this year? I don't think they're going to have a four-game losing streak, Matt. So, this, so Iowa State, BYU, Arizona State, Villanova isn't a four-game losing streak? I don't yet? think so. Think they're going to? Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. I would be surprised just because. Right, so the rest, is, so after, so you don't. There's not a four-game losing streak in there, but DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Villanova again. Is there four straight losses in this grouping at all? I mean, I guess you could say that. What about you, Marquette on the road, Villanova I, on the road, Providence at home, Xavier on the road? Is that four? Straight I know. Losses? I was going to say that that could be. Okay, so. But I don't think it's going to be, Matt. I don't know. Okay. I mean, also. St. John's home, DePaul home, Butler away. That's Xavier, Xavier at home. At UConn, at Seton Hall, oh, Butler at home there. At, okay, at so okay, uh, Hinkle, Xavier at home, UConn on, on the road, Seton Hall on the road. Yeah. I mean, Ken Palm thinks it is. Ken, yeah. Palm, Ken Palm has two four-game losing streaks in here to end the season in, in that Butler to Seton Hall gap. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to lose two, both UConn you and Seton three, You don't think they're going three and eight down the stretch like Ken Palm does? That's interesting, though, that so – Unlike the 2018-19 team, mm-hmm. which that schedule was front-loaded. Yes. It was very tough to start. We thought that too, right? Yeah. yeah. I, um, I kind of knew that just naturally it was going to ease up a little bit and allow for them to kind of hit a groove at the end of the year. It does seem, at least according to Ken Pomeroy's projections, that the schedule's easier early, even though you have two games against Villanova in the first five games in the Big East. Yeah. But... um well, you get rid. Of, you're, you're done with. You're done with DePaul, Butler. Well, Butler and one and one game against Marquette and Georgetown each before the end of January. So yeah, that would on paper be easier than what February and March looks like. Because February and March you have you still have, you have UConn, UConn twice, twice yeah. Providence on the road, Seton Hall Seton twice, Hall twice. Um, St. John's and Georgetown on the road. Yeah, and then Xavier. Your home games are Xavier, Butler, Marquette, and then UConn. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I don't it does know. shape up a little differently, right? It might be better to do it this way though, to to gain some confidence early because I do think that team, although it did stick with it in twenty eighteen nineteen and find its footing at the end, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that it had that, I'm sure the losses. That did something well, to their confidence. It wasn't just losing; it was how, like it's close games. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, like close games they had, yeah, in control seemingly. So yeah, that that's it was it wasn't just that it was a four game losing right. streak. But in theory, if you were playing teams that weren't as good, mm-hmm. you would still be able to win in spite of those mistakes that you made. Yeah, it's just going to be kind of interesting to look back on the end of this year, and I know we probably. We promised we would never jump ahead on this team, and we're doing it right now, so we're not being very disciplined. That's but your fault. It, <laughs> I was going to get to that. <laughs> I wasn't trying to lump you in there. Well, I, I mean, saying, I, I did play along. You did play along. Thank you. That's what I'm it's saying. your podcast. I don't want to be what, rude. That's what I was saying. You weren't just humoring me there. You were enjoying that topic a little bit. Um, it's going to be interesting to be like, well, this team battled to the wire against like Kansas State, 
Southern Illinois, SIU Edwardsville. Like, how does that team compete in the Big Bad Big East or in this next four games yeah. where, you know, they have a much improved Iowa State team from a year ago, but this a is, good BYU team, and then Arizona State. Yeah. Who, I mean, if it works and Creighton has the season that it's hoping for, yeah. that's why you schedule what the way you schedule. For? Like, I, are, are they, tournament. You think they're trying to go to the NCAA tournament? Yeah. Again? Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, Ryan Hopkins and Alex O'Connell want to play in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, but like, so, Hopkins is so coming here not to play. Well, so did Connor Cashel and Caleb Joseph. So. For sure. But that's where they're going. I mean, that's that's like the baseline expectation for this program, right? Is it? Okay. Year after year being an NCAA tournament team? Yeah, I don't know. I kind of always think an NIT year isn't terrible for where they're at right now. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just think you that. Remember, I, Mitch and those boys wanted. Oh, Mitch NCAA. wanted to go 4 for 4. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I just don't, I like, uh, I don't think that thing, that stuff starts to come into view until mid-February, though. Or, like, you know. End of January. Like, are you in position to... I'm not saying... Like, where, you're, where, you're, where you're two quality wins away from... Yeah, we won't know that. We won't know that. I'm just saying where they're... If you ask, them, if you ask those guys mm-hmm. what, their, what their end goal is right now, like they, they want yeah. that. Do they, where, when have they... Like, do they look like an NCAA tournament team? Well, yet? no. I mean, tonight they kind of did, but that's... A one game sample yeah. compared to the previous seven, mm-hmm. which they have not. So no, they have not. But they do have winning. They do, and you, even in the Colorado State game, you know, historically, like historically, a team that experienced hitting twenty threes on Creighton, like that might turn uglier than it did. Like I think that I think there's something to be said for the way they kind of just hung around. Yeah. Well, I think that you got to allow for them to get better. That's why we've kind of, I mean. We'll make some points and we'll have a discussion, but yeah. you can't. You got to do it in the context of. We don't know where this team's going to be in a month or in two months, and so, so it's hard the, to make what any. What about these next two games? Because didn't we? Didn't didn't we? Uh, I mean, that twenty nineteen team ended up being on the bubble, right? At the end of the day, it did. Yeah. Okay, so their non con wins were Clemson. Yeah, that's it. So to enter that conversation for you, do they have to go? Do they have to win one of these next two? To be in the conversation for uh, to make you think they have an NCAA tournament ceiling, or does it not matter? These no, next two games? no, they don't matter. Really? For me. No. Interesting. I mean, if they get blown out by Iowa State and BYU, like it's not close, like Colorado State, if it feels kind of like that, okay, where they're just overmatched, yeah, with if, if that's what it is. I mean, I don't think either team's gonna. Sh- uh, BYU might hit 23, so. BYU's very well, Mike. <laughs> they might. Yeah. Careful, I, guess, careful. I guess Iowa State has that potential. I'll say too. things you can't take. Back. Iowa State has some guards that have been lighting it up. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just early. And I, I, based on what I've seen from Greg McDermott's teams, they they get better as the year goes on. I just so, wonder how many how many quality wins are going to be in the Big East for them to have this I don't year. think you need to worry about that, man. Why? I just don't think – I don't think you're going to need to worry about it. It's – if if Creighton's NCAA tournament worthy, mm-hmm. it, it'll get enough quality wins in the Big East. Okay. I don't think it. I don't think. How did we get on this topic? What was our question? I think it was about the identity of the team. <laughs> yeah. What were we doing? I just got lost in Ken Palm a little bit there. Um, okay. Uh, what do you think the, about the volume of threes taken tonight? Is that fifteen to twenty range somewhere this particular team should live? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm sticking with, like, they should live wherever the smartest shot is. Like, if the team is, if there's, you know, an opponent who wants to, you know, do the 2014 Villanova rematch game plan where they just hug the three-point line and give them driving lanes, then by all means, shoot 62s. But if a team wants to, you know, limit Kalkbender's touches and, you know, front the post and back off some shooters and, you know, protect the rim at all costs and keep creating off the free throw line, then by all means, shoot, step in, wide open rhythm threes all day. So, I don't know. I think the thing for the Creighton's offense is just it's always looking for the best shot, wherever it is. You know what I mean? The people, I think last week we got asked, you know, is it within Creighton's scheme to accentuate some of Kalkbender's strengths? Yes, it is. Like, they'll look for the best shot available, whether it's at the rim, whether it's, you know, pulling up off the dribble in the mid-range area, like what Michigan did to them a couple years ago, right? Where they were just, like, giving them that 12-footer all day. Yeah, except in that Michigan game, if I remember correctly, Creighton's guys were taking, like, 17 footers when they could have been taking 12 footers. Agreed, agreed. but that like the point but, is yeah. like there's a that's what it was defenses like. try to like it's a it's a pick your poison offensive scheme. Yeah. So if you execute it properly, you know, you'll be able to find the right shot. I think that's kind of the the base line thing for this offense. Like I don't think there's a magic number of threes or shots at the rim ever. I think it's all about night in night out. What was the defense giving you? Do you what do you think? Yeah, I mean it's hard for me to imagine Creighton continuing at this rate because where they don't where they don't live on the three line. Where they're like rank three hundred in percent of percentage of points from the three point line. Mm-hmm. Um and be successful, but I, I like Okay, let me ask you this then. Since if, if that's your answer, let me ask you kind of why. Like why don't you think Creighton can be successful the way they're constructed without being um reliant on the three ball? Mm. Maybe just cuz I haven't seen it from this team. Okay, so it's yeah, just from the program, you know, so that's not just, who they are. Is it because you're just not sure who they are right now cuz we yeah, talked about that earlier, right. we're not quite sure about their identity yet. I think that's probably it. Because we, we, you know, the coaching staff is pretty much in agreement across the board that they don't have, like, a great shooting team. Right. Like they did last year. Right. Like where, you know, the range was their weapon. Marcus could shoot from range. Mitch could shoot from range. So I watched the North Dakota State game last year, and Mm -hmm. Creighton shot, like, 35 threes in that game, and Mitch and Marcus both shot horribly. But the shots they were taking was just like, (laughs) it's like night and day. I'm like, wait. Yeah. You should go back and watch a Creighton game from last watching year. watching Marcus and Mitch highlights are, is jarring because like <laughs> no, it is like that's what I'm saying. They're like, pulling up from stupid spots. I'm like, like this yeah. team would never mm-hmm. would never mm-hmm. even dream of shooting those types of shots. Yeah, if you watch the second half like the Seton Hall game last year on the road, it'll just like you, so. I, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to like reconfigure your mind. I understand it's a different team, but it's just it's still the same program with the same mm-hmm. offense, and so I haven't fully made that transformation yet i guess in my head so um i i am I, I that's why i'm curious about saturday and as they start playing teams like that just are a little bit more athletic faster um compared to takeaway strengths mm-hmm. yeah 
how how much can Creighton get inside? And do, do the Jays have to start taking more? Because there, there have been times where they've had looks from three and they've turned them down mm-hmm. to attack inside. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the Jays are going to have to shoot I mean, those. I'll tell you, like, what, what, Arthur Kaluma, the space he's being given on the perimeter right now, I mean, Damian Jefferson is shooting those all day. Yeah. Like, that's that's money. You know what I mean? Like, DJ's probably watching. If he's watching, like, these games, he's probably going, man, they don't even give me that much right. space. Even Denzel Mahoney's like, like, what the heck, man? I, I know, yeah. Like, <laughs> they, they never gave me that much Shoot that. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. It is a little bit. It takes a little bit to a, of an adjustment period. Uh... Thoughts on Kaluma's role on offense? Clearly extremely talented, just seems to force it or not flow at times. I don't know. I don't think he forced it a whole bunch tonight. Nah, there was one or two, maybe. He's five or six on the field. Man. I just think he's good. so good at attacking that he has to be aggressive like that. It just looks team, like he's forcing and, and, and it. As, but... And as you said, teams are playing off him so much oh, yeah. that they, they're basically they're It's amazing he can still get downhill right. the way they guard him. Yeah. But I don't know. I thought he had a pretty measured performance tonight. Where did he finish? That's what I said. He's five of six on the floor. Yeah, five of six. Hit his only three. You know, he only had two, one rebound. Two though. turnovers that's in twenty-one minutes. Surprising. Yeah. If there's like, if that's yeah. If there's one way to improve the rebound, it's it's at that position right there. Yeah. Because he he can do that. He can be better there. Mm-hmm. I thought he made smart. I thought he took smart shots tonight. I thought he made good plays, smart plays. I never thought there was a point in the game where, you know, I'm trying to think of a shot he took that I was like, eh, could have got a better one than that. I mean, the one he missed, I think, was a driving sort of like maybe a little bit off balance. I'm trying to picture it. It, it, was, it was, I think it was coming down the lane and ended up falling out of bounds or something like that. I, like, it, But he's made those, so I was like. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought, I don't know. I thought, uh. I mean, he, he's another guy. I mean, guy. I think his role on offense is kind of just to – it's the same as everybody's. Like, he, you know, sit on the perimeter a little bit, move the ball when it comes to you, set screens, attack mismatches, um, and if you get enough space, let it go. I thought he did that pretty well tonight. I think, I think he let everything come to yeah, him. Yeah, I think they're trying to um, encourage him to shoot more because he, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a decent shooter and he's getting that much space. Yeah. He can knock down open jumpers. Um, Kaylin wants to know, <clears throat> it was great to see the offense firing tonight. seems like let it fly might be a little outdated. What's our oh no, identity question? What's our, our, what's our identity right now? It's throwing the paint. We need something catchy for this new team. Oh. Dunk on your head. On your head? <laughs> um, I don't know. That's a good question. Those things, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. I don't usually try to think of that stuff. It just happens. It just kind of comes, yeah. and then you're like, "Let's see if this works." And then people are like, "No," or delete your account. So yeah, I don't know. Does anything come to you right now in terms of no? Because I don't even know what they are. I don't. I, like yeah, I said, it's hard to. It wouldn't stick, right? You don't want to be. You don't want to. Has something that doesn't last. Right? right in like three weeks, if they're doing something totally different. Mm-hmm. We'll uh. We'll workshop that for you, yeah. Kalen. Um, has Creighton axed halftime axe this season? I don't know. I would imagine. They, I would think they got something good for Iowa State. That's what I was thinking. I was, I was actually. Oh, they're just waiting for like. I was. I feel like they. They bring out the the big guns when. 
It's a big game. Yeah. Saturday night, I think they're going to have something good. I don't know that for sure. I haven't asked anybody, but I just... Assume. Well, now you're just getting very excited for some reason. <laughs> At Villanova, they're going to have something good for Villanova. They, they will. You may make promises you have to keep. <laughs> no. Talk to marketing, bud. Or make sure they have the budget for this stuff. John's making grand declarations over here about halftime acts. Who's performing against Villanova? Just pick one. First of all, Quick Change is dead, literally. Like, I know. That guy died of COVID. It sucks. So Quick Change is like, I don't even know if that exists anymore. That act might be over with. So that's one less uh, in the rotation, right. unfortunately. Like, rest in peace to the number one halftime act of all time, right? Uh. Don't you dare say it. Don't you dare say it. It'll be your last time on this podcast. <laughs> Um. Oh yeah. So anyway, John's confident Villanova will have a halftime act. So I think bring, Iowa bring your kids. Too. Bring your ki- Iowa State. He said Iowa State too. So I don't know your, if you bring your kids. Bring, I don't know if you want to bring your kids to Iowa State, man. Why? That, that one's gonna be that's gonna be nasty. I think there's gonna be a lot of Cyclone fans in the stands. I was telling you that I'm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited yeah, about give, it. Rant about this real quick. Well, I'm, not, pre- I'm not ranting. No, I'm just saying. It's a, I mean, like, just talk about it. Yeah, speak on it. I, I'm really excited for this game because it's rare that we get um, opposing fans into the CHI Health Center because mm-hmm. Creighton plays so many teams that are in the Big East and those fans just don't travel in droves. Mm-hmm. You'll get like a small section behind the bench, behind the bench, yeah. or maybe a few up in the 200s. But like Marquette's like the only game that travels. Like that's the only time you see a segment of fans in the arena. So. DePaul has no fans. Yeah, like when Gonzaga came, like there weren't that many Gonzaga fans in here. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, Ohio State didn't have any fans when they came here. Did Wisconsin? I don't think. I, maybe a few? It felt like Wisconsin and Ohio State did have a good mixture. They, they had some. Yeah. But it's and obviously Nebraska. We know that. Like, there's a lot yeah, of yeah. there's a lot of red that makes its way up into the the upper bowl, but. You usually don't hear them after the first five minutes, but they're there. Else. I'm just going to keep it honest. So I'm I'm yeah. really looking forward to the yeah. atmosphere. Like I just I think that's going to add a different element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we'll see. I, we'll see how many Iowa State fans can make their way into the CHI, but I think there's going to be a lot. And it's an eight o'clock game on a Saturday. Yeah. So Prime, a, I mean, that's going to be rocking. Yeah, it's going to be. I'll be surprised if like between what you're talking about between like the Iowa State fans that come up for the game. Um, you know, unless they have an all-time trip up against Pine Bluff this week, like if that place isn't just packed, you know what I mean. Yeah. Saturday night, Why seven not? and one, Creighton, yeah. undefeated Ohio, Iowa State, ranked. Yeah. Like Cyclone fans coming up, yeah, I think it's going to be a a really really fun environment. It's a big arena, that you, you know. Bring you can your children get, too. I don't know if you should bring. <laughs> I just say that might be a little R rated at times. That's okay. You gotta learn to be R rated eventually. So you might as well just like, <laughs> look, son, that's you in ten years. And Jay's here. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm just. I'm pumped for it, man. I, I wish that there were ways to. You know, when Creighton in Kansas, you didn't, did you go to the game last year? No, you did though. Uh, it was awesome. Now, in the context of. It being COVID, and yeah, that was the largest crowd I was a part of all year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was awesome, uh-huh. but it was still. I mean, there were a lot of Creighton fans that made the trip, and Allen Fieldhouse was limited attendance wise, so 
those guys, the great fans could be a little bit louder than and have more of an impact than they would have normally. But can, yeah, that was, it's it's fun when you have that piece to it. And so, can we also like? I just wish that we saw more games between the teams in the region. Yeah, well, especially because they're good. There are good teams in the region. There's not like yeah, you can find like quality resume boosters that would you know make for a fun game. Mm-hmm. You know, um, can we give Nancy with NCAA cookie real quick? Sure. Thank you for making like giving Creighton volleyball the Thursday Friday assignment, so you didn't didn't uh, make Jays fans have to choose between a potential seven o'clock second round game. DJ Silk Arena and eight o'clock against Iowa State. Like, well, don't you think they would have made the? No, time? I don't think no, they would have actually. I think they would have made that as difficult as possible. Let's see. You know, so I but, mean, yeah, all the games are on ESPN Plus. So that's. I mean, they like what is on ESPN on Thursday? Come I don't on, know. what what is on ESPN on Friday? I'll, hey, somebody better. Can you? Why aren't you rant on this? I'm the one who looks like a maniac on Twitter every year with this stuff. And like, and then like by contrast, like John's just like. I don't. I don't show my personality on Twitter anymore for a reason. That, well, I mean, because there's crazies out there. Who are you talking to? You talking to the? I, talk, I just talk, and then people respond. Yes, and I usually a times, yeah. A lot of times, I just drive myself crazy. I bet, but you can just you know just I guess I can just tweet and then and then yeah, turn it off. The app yeah, that. like, it's <laughs> that's true. I could. You don't have to respond, but like, it, yeah, I just you know. That's unfortunate. That's I guess yeah. that's more of an ESPN. Because you could have got real game. upset with everybody last year. It was like a travesty. They weren't even going to have announcers and stuff. I was like, what the fuck? Are you talking about not having announcers. So that's why tournaments. The hell kind of cockamamie show you putting on? All right, we should probably get out of here. But you got any? We got one question left. Oh, I was going to ask if you had any Iowa State thoughts, but go ahead. Oh, I probably do. Should we ask the question first? Yep. What's the question? Um, how do you think this team? Oh, it is about Iowa State. Look at that. Nice. It just looks almost like a scent from heaven. Who asked it? Uh, Danny Sullivan wants to know, how do you, why'd you make me say the last name again? You're whatever doing with the names. How do you think this team is going to react to the significant step up in competition that begins Saturday? That's like exactly what you, did you yeah. make him ask that? I didn't, but it's like it perfectly worked well. Do you want I actually to- think Creighton's team is going to respond well. I feel like this team is a team that um, <clears throat> is not going to be intimidated by a moment or um, by an opponent, and mm-hmm. it'll actually help them focus a little bit better, and they're going to play better. Whether or not that means they're going to win, I don't know. But I just think that when they went to Nebraska, to me that was the first sign. Obviously, it's just one game. Mm -hmm. But that was the first sort of window into their personality, their DNA as a team of, like, how are they going to handle a bigger stage, more pressure, more eyeballs, big moment type thing, and a better opponent compared to the first two that they played. Mm-hmm. And they passed that test, and so I don't. They know. didn't just like they, that, <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, that was the way they did that was very, um, I guess, notable because they had some swagger to them, mm-hmm. and you can see that like the DNA of this group is like there's rarely going to be a moment that's too big for them, just because they've all won at a high level in some regard, like. Nemhard's done it in high school and on the international level, just like with people coming for his head all the time. Like he knows how to like he knows how to lead a team through that fire. Sharif Mitchell doesn't back down from anyone. Arthur Kaluma is the same kind of way. Alex O'Connell has played for Duke. Like he knows what it's like to go everywhere and be hated. 
Um, he knows what it's like to play in big games. Ryan Hawkins has won national championships. Like, he understands big games. Um, yeah, I think the DNA of this team is to kind of rise to play to his competition a little bit. We've seen that, right? Yeah. Like, good end, for good and for bad. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, I think – and honestly, like, when you watch Iowa State, I don't know how much you've seen of them this year, but they, like, have – they take on the identity of TJ, too, and he's just, like, hard-nosed, really engaged, especially on the defensive end. Like, they play with a lot of energy, a lot of swagger. They have a lot of fight to them. Um, so it is going to be kind of like a meeting of, like, two just, like, really, uh, like – Stubborn, bullheaded teams that don't like to back down from anybody. I think it's going to be a really good game. Like I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think Iowa State's been really good, but I don't know if they're going to like come in and um like whip Creighton. I'd be surprised if that happened. But that would be too. Possible. Um, they've they've shown Iowa State because of its backcourt. And yeah. they've shown a little bit more sort of firepower. How fun is Tyrese Hunter versus Ryan Nehart going to be? Oh, my gosh. I mean, they might be the two best freshman point guards in the country. Like, that's what we might be seeing on Saturday is the two best that's true. They freshman be. floor generals. I mean, there's not a lot of freshman point guards out there, are there? Or, or, yeah, well, I, I mean, Nolan Hickman's kind of – He's not He's not the, he's he's not not the, the guy, guy yet, so he was one. I mean, Chucky – Chucky Epperin at Wisconsin. Is he, is yeah, he, Chucky's. He's, I mean, he's been their guy. Yeah, he's kind of a. He's he's in an auxiliary part right now right. With, with what they're doing. So, um, yeah, there's no one with the. I don't think I haven't seen two freshman point guards that have the responsibilities that Nimhard and Hunter do right now. Like yeah. it's going to be and, and that have made the impact that they have. Yeah, it's really like, that's going to be really fun. I mean, he was the best player. Tyrese Hunter was the best player on the floor. I thought against Xavier. He had like five steals, yeah. two turnovers, like just dominated that game. I thought it's gonna be fun. What are you most looking forward to? Just like the energy, yeah. That because we're gonna get a taste of. We're gonna get, Thursday's gonna be popping for Creighton Ole Miss. We're gonna get spoiled this weekend. It's crazy because this is a little bit more about the Iowa State game. I'm like, I did not think that that formula would work. And obviously it's early, so it may not work. But I think you're stepping in something right here. You got one freshman, yeah, and like the next five guys in the rotation are all transfers. So your top six guys ish, yeah, are dudes who weren't on your team last year. They bring them all in, and then they've and it's like so. It's just, worked. Just, so I'm just gonna say it because you because you led me down the path. You know, if they beat Arkansas Pine Bluff, they'll be seven and zero, right? Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that will be TJ Altelberger getting Iowa State out to a seven and zero start with the Fred Hoiberg model. Ouch! And matching Hoiberg's two season like his his win total in both years at Nebraska using yeah. that same model. So maybe I, it's not. The, I am, maybe it's not the model. So I, I saw Florida. Did something similar. They're out there with like seven transfers and doing some big things. So I am curious to look across the country mm-hmm. and just compare and and you know how many teams really did hit the portal hard and how how successful are they? Yeah. Um, 
Ken Palm still hasn't quite adjusted to Iowa State yet. No, no, it hasn't. Most of the metrics have not. Yeah. Because a lot of them keep, like, some preseason and some of last season sort of numbers in in there. But, yeah, their disparity, though, like, their minutes continuity is 334, but their experience is 107. That's a big. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. That's a huge gap for those two metrics, you know? Because it says they're, like, new to each other, but not necessarily new to college basketball. Like, where Creighton's is, like, their experience is 306, and their minutes continuity is 332. Yeah. So they're both kind of in the same range in terms of, like, experience together as a group, but Iowa State has a little bit more college basketball experience. And, and this is more grown dudes. Yes. And Tristan and Aruna will be back in we'll be in Omaha. We'll be right. Tristan and Aruna's first career game with the CHI Health Center. Yeah, that's right. Probably the most, like, one of the most hyped prospects. I always loved his game. I did, too. No, but, like, I, I mean, like, other than, like, Brian Bowen, I don't think Creighton fans have been more excited about a potential a potential recruit than Tristan and Aruna. Yeah. He's probably coming to Creighton if Kansas hadn't oh, come in late. Yeah, so. 100%. I would, I would agree with that. What's he up to this year? He had nine points against Memphis, I think. So I saw him dropping some threes. I think he hit one. Okay, maybe it's just one. I didn't watch. I haven't watched the Memphis or Xavier close yet. It's okay, I wasn't trying to out you there. Yeah, he has hit one three this year. So okay, well that was the game that I, that so was, must have been the one I saw. Without the S, so I'm yeah, dropping so he, to three. Yeah, he had 11 points against Memphis, 15 against Grambling State. He was seven of ten from two. So he's been okay. His minutes have gone up here the last three games. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's gonna be a really fun game. They're they're really good. They've got you know some you know it's interesting because like they're you know Isaiah Brockington from Penn State, he dropped thirty on Xavier. Yeah, like he's a bucket and a half. Like he might shoot him out of some games, but he'll shoot him in it. Caleb Grill, he's a former Creighton recruit, right? Was yeah, it? they were looking at him a yeah. little bit on the after mm-hmm. it was like his uh, he decommitted or something. And yeah. Trey Jackson's a good combo guard who can, you know, run the one when Hunter's off the floor and play off of Hunter a little bit. Gabe Coucher. Gabe Coucher, really good. Step out. Yeah. He's only shooting 25% from three? Dang. Yeah. He's he, he, he shooting, though, so. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a really good team. It'll be fun. Fun game. I'm excited. Because it'll be, t- like, you know, when you factor in Thursday, potentially Friday... And then Saturday, back-to-back-to-back, that's, I mean, I think we're going to see. Yeah, current fans are going to get their money to work. Insane, insane games, yeah. Okay, that's good. 90 minutes, a little over. Answered all the questions. Anything else you got? No. Okay, so let's, let's tease some upcoming stuff then. What should... Um, Creighton fans have to look forward to from your side of things. We'll be out. Um, volleyball availability tomorrow. Right, right. So we hear from the volleyball team. Um, Anything you're <coughs> any stories you're you've got ready? Well, I'm, I'm gonna put something together on Norris's Big East Freshman of the Year. Okay, nice. So look for that <coughs> newsletter. Or? Those come out on Tuesday. Okay, so not the newsletter. Yeah, this the, this week I just did kind of a video update, but okay. Um, yeah, you guys, uh, you and Lincoln, uh, how do you say Arniel? Yeah. Um, 
we comboed for the. Yeah, I need to listen preview. to that. I saw the preview. I haven't listened to it yet, so I need to. Li- I have that in my uh, queue. So that's Omaha.com slash Jays. People can find that, right? Yeah, or my Twitter feed. Yeah, or your Twitter feed at Johnny Atala A at J O N N Y A T A W A. That's great. Yeah. yeah, check that out because uh, that looked like it was going to be a good conversation. Little mixture of Creighton, Nebraska, and then yeah. and then just larger a NCAA stuff. picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Looked like it was going to be a good conversation, so I'm going to check it out. Everyone else should check it out too. Uh, Norris's story. You just wrote something on Trey Alexander. That's right. That people should check out. If they haven't already, and then your your post game coverage from tonight, Creighton's most complete performance of the year, right? And then Iowa, Iowa State, State preview. preview. Yeah, I got to watch those I, guys I'm tomorrow. So, I'm going to watch both of their all right, both of those. Uh, I watched them play Kennesaw State because I was watching that one was a terrible game though. I think I should just throw out everything that I saw from that one because they called like fifty seven fouls. Ew, I yeah. can't remember what it was. It was terrible though. I didn't watch it. You didn't. You haven't seen that one? Mm-hmm. Oh man. Um, I thought I was going to get a good gauge of them by in uh, don't from, watch from, from, from the Brooklyn game, so I waited for that to happen. Yeah, don't watch that one because that was I needed to see Kennesaw before. Ah, uh, Kennesaw yeah, I didn't. Great. I didn't do. I didn't scout. I didn't God. scout Kennesaw. So, um, so that's the only time I've seen him play, and I'm eager to watch the. I, you know, I, I tuned in a little bit for mm-hmm. the Memphis game, so I'm eager to see what they look like. But then I'll put together a little. Preview. You haven't seen the Memphis game yet. I saw a little bit. I saw Memphis pressing them, and I would say just like toying with them. So, yeah, Memphis looks like crap. But I would say it looked good. So I was like, yeah, it's like oh, I don't know who to feel how to feel about these teams. Memphis bounced back and beat somebody. Who'd they beat? Virginia? Is that who they ended up beating at that thing? Virginia was, making that up? You are. Virginia Tech was at the thing. So who'd they beat? They beat somebody. I think they beat Virginia Tech the night before. Memphis did. Yes. Okay. Because, yeah, Memphis beat Virginia Tech, Iowa State beat Xavier, and then Xavier beat Virginia Tech, and Memphis got pasted by Iowa State. That's how it went. Okay. Yeah. Iowa State was clearly the best team in that field. Oh, no doubt. I do remember hearing that. Yeah. Because even they won, they beat Xavier by 12, but it it wasn't that close. It was only close for like a little bit at the end of the first half. Xavier made a run. Mm. I mean, Paul Scruggs was... Like one for thirteen with five turnovers. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> so was Iowa State gonna? gonna that's what I'm saying. That that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. They like they're nasty defensively, real nasty. Like TJ is like in a stance. Huh. Okay. So. Yeah. Um. I mean, they turned Memphis over like a god amount of like ungodly amount. I think it was like twenty two. I think they had like 22 turnovers and like five assists or okay, something. Okay, to like be that. fair, Memphis is 355th in turnover percentage. No, so I mean, you're going to hate. Yeah, Memphis was like crap. You're going to hate Memphis the way they play. But they also, like, they, but, but Iowa State also did that to Xavier. So I think it's an Iowa State thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Xavier didn't have Kunkel or Fremantle. So, you know, I guess Kunkel would consider. They're both kind of floor spacers a little bit. Fremantle can step out of his job. Yeah. And Kunkel, 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 you would consider kind of a ball handler type. Like he can. But he just eases the pressure yes. off Scruggs because yeah. you can't clog the lane as much. Yeah, there was nothing. To, there was no one to do that in that game. He, he, he had a rough one. I'm so eager to see Iowa State defensively. I mean, like, mm-hmm. that could be interesting how Creighton's Tyrese Hunter ball is handlers. Like really, yeah, he's strong. With that. Pretty long for a six three dude. 
Um, he doesn't look like a freshman. I think Creighton recruited him a little bit. Really? Didn't they? I don't know. I don't know doesn't ring a bell. But you're going to... Uh, if you haven't seen him yet... Like, well, I, 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 I watched his highlights. Like Kennesaw, but like, uh, no, he, I watched yeah. his highlights. No, he like, got into foul trouble. He barely yeah. played. I, I watched his highlights in high school. So I, I feel like Creighton might have... Maybe they just offered him or something. You know, they offer... Everyone. That's That doesn't really yeah. <laughs> signify whether or not you're recruiting somebody. Because mm. it's like the first step, but... Uh, I've always liked this game. Yeah, he's real fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, so yeah, that's that's the just to look to lay out the week for you. Uh, Thursday is women's basketball at noon, right? Yeah. Or is that Friday? No, that's that Friday. Friday, Friday my, yeah. bad, my bad. So uh, Thursday is volleyball. Uh, Four thirty is Oregon, Kansas. I gotta get. I gotta flip my mask inside out. I think is what I'm gonna do because I have Oregon. Some people got. Someone got mad at me. For, I think they took my mask comment the other night as like a dig at Mississippi or something for like being bad at handling COVID. Oh, like I was saying, ew, gross. Oh. Old Miss is coming. I gotta I get new masks. Like, yeah. no, I was actually saying because I have Oregon masks, I can't wear Oregon gear when they're like playing Creighton if they play Creighton kind of thing. Yeah, that's what I was referring to. I didn't mean to. Make a bunch of Republicans angry, but I didn't. Um, I don't care either. But yeah, so Thursday is volleyball. Four thirty p.m. at DJ Soko Arena is Oregon versus Kansas, and then at seven o'clock um, is Creighton versus Ole Miss. Um, and then Friday night will be the winner of those two matches um, at seven o'clock. And Friday, and then Friday at noon. noon CHI Women's Basketball Special. Yeah. Creighton versus Georgetown. Not quite the game everyone thought was going to be the CHI Health Center Special, but, you know, it's Creighton's opening, Big East opener, so it'll be a big game for them to get off on good footing um, in conference, which is going to be like, it's going to be a tough conference this year. There's like some balance to it, so finishing like above that middle of the pack will like, that's going to tell if you're, in the tournament conversation or, like, looking more NIT. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you want to be, you want to be, like, above, like, in that you want to be in that Seton Hall Marquette range. No one's touching UConn in the Big East this year, so um, you want to be in that Seton Hall Marquette range more than that, like, St. John's Villanova range kind of thing is what I'm thinking. I think Xavier and Butler are going to be bad. Georgetown's going to be bad. So you want to be above that middle pack, right? That sounds good. Yeah. So they got the Biggie's opener noon Friday. Yeah, Georgetown, they Nova CHA on Sunday. Health Center. Right, that's exactly. So cool, so. Nova's actually been without Maddie Seegers for three games now. And we don't know the length yet. So hand wrist injury. So, yeah, they might not be at full strength either. So, yeah, it's a big weekend for the Jays because, they, you know, you got to take care of home court. I mean, in years where they've made the split tournament, they take care of home court, so they have to do that. So this weekend's big for them because it's two of the games they need to win at home. At home, yeah. Um, and then Saturday night will be the eight p.m. showdown between the Jays and Iowa State at the CHI Health Center, and then Sunday will be Creighton Villanova at one o'clock. So that's your week of Creighton events, and then. Check out John Niatawa's work at Omaha.com. Buy a newspaper. Um, 
Subscribe to the newsletter. Yeah, do that. Tell them how to do it again. Omaha.com slash newsletters. Okay. Put that in your browser. Check the little box, and you get it. Cool. And then follow him at Johnny Atawa on Twitter, at J-O-N-N-Y-A-T-A-W-A. Hey, sir. Can I email you, too? Is that okay? Yeah. What's your email? At Gmail? John.Niatawa at O-W-H.com. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you got the o- o- I'm not great at email. I mean, Twitter DMs probably the best. You're not great at text messaging either. No, no, no. Don't text. My it. email inbox is just full a lot. It was just a lot of stuff, and mm-hmm. so it's hard to sift through it sometimes. Yeah, but Twitter DM. I, I, it takes Are your DMs a, open on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so DM him. Right. Yeah. Or reply. I DM. I think you respond. You were you you're a reply guy on Twitter. I do try to reply. You interact. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's and why then, I try not to go too far. I ratcheted back my Twitter sort of personality because I do want to engage with people. Yeah. But if I go too far and then well, we get I, all I was saying was you feel so you feel the same type of way I do about the ESPN women's sports thing. Just I would express like express it. All right. Yeah. Well, you, have, well, you have a big follow. What's your following? Like fifteen k. Right. Well, when when ESPN is showing like uh, a sports center rerun at eight o'clock on Thursday, here you go. You feel that in your bones right now already? Don't you? <laughs> Whatever they've got. Maybe they, maybe they got NBA. I don't know. Okay. NBA is Wednesday though, isn't it on ESPN? Yeah. Thursday it's on. So I just don't know what they're going to show on Thursday and Friday night on ESPN. Well, they could well, be showing a volleyball match. Yeah. What's the story? Why, to, why can't BTN carry some of those uh, Big Ten matches? What's the story? I don't know. There? I think that like I think ESPN just wanted all of them, on, but they on, didn't. But want they want to put it on on their little yeah. plus package. Yes. Yeah. How do we feel about that? I mean, I know we probably shouldn't be getting down in this topic right now <laughs> i like, want uh, i actually maybe not like on the, this podcast but yeah like late, yeah I, we, let's not get, let's not go down there, but i just don't well i mean like because the flow the women's sports thing is on flow sports like it's not just women's sports i mean it's but it's yeah, i it's, know but it is women it's like it's it's what got there first so yeah only men's soccer is the one that's kind of really deal with it so. baseball probably too right oh shit yeah i forgot that part but i mean biggie doesn't even have a full slate for baseball so it's not a big deal um, I don't know. I think Flow Sports has like made some significant upgrades. It's not like a mom and pop little, you know. I don't think it's a secondary thing anymore. Yeah, I know people still complain about it, and I used to be in that camp. But after using it all fall, I kind of think it's been significantly upgraded. Like it's got really good. It's it's organized very well. I have I never have issues with like the feed cutting in and out. The challenge is if you're trying to help sports grow, yeah, like volleyball like, and women's basketball, does that, and, and help give them a platform that they deserve, right? Does it help to give it to them for free as part of your base, like your primary package, or yeah. put it behind a paywall? Right. Yeah, I don't know. But if, if I don't know, if, the if, if your TV that. partners aren't stepping up and saying, you know, if, if FS1 is saying like, you know, we only want three volleyball matches and we only want UConn volleyball or UConn women's basketball, then what right. are you supposed to do with your other entities? Can, how can you yeah. still profit off them? I get that, but I'm also, I don't know. It might, I don't know what the trade-off is, but it doesn't seem like it should be everything's behind the... Because what, 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 what matches were on Fox Sports big for Big East? I think they were all Creighton for one. The championship was, the title Nebraska, game was Nebraska. On. Nebraska was on FS1. Right. Um, championship Big East was on FS2. St. John's Senior Day was on FS2. 
I think there was one other one that was on F- FS1. I thought during the year, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Yeah, I don't think there was another no. one. I thought they were all Flow Sports. So, yeah, you're right. Like, that's kind of the rub is, like, you don't want to put it behind a $30 paywall for people because your casual fan isn't going to pay 30 bucks a month to watch Big East Volleyball, yeah. right? Like, the you know, the... And same with same with like the NCAA volleyball tournament. Even though ESPN Plus is cheaper than that, whatever it is, like yeah, like six six bucks, bucks a month. Yeah, the the casual sports. And I mean, fan, I think it is cheaper than thirty dollars if you go through the school. The school, yeah. You know, the casual sports fan is not going to run into the first round of the NCAA volleyball tournament and the first round of the NCAA, first second round of the NCAA volleyball yes. tournament. It's pretty sweet it's because big, yeah. everyone's at home and it's good. Good yeah, I, without knowing their without knowing the metrics, it's hard. To, yep, it's hard to know. All I know is Flow Sports is a better experience than it was like like when they first announced they were going to this. I'm like, what in the hell? Why? Because the only Flow Sports experience I had, had at that point was Cayman Islands. Cayman, no, where was where Cayman was, Islands was Facebook? Yeah, I think it was Paradise it Jam. Was the fa- Cayman Islands was like Stadium, Stadium.com or something like that. Uh, I think Paradise Jam. What was the tournament they played? NC State and Ole Miss. I think that was Paradise Jam. Was that Paradise? So that was yeah, yeah. Virgin Islands then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all Flow Sports, and that was a nightmare. So that's what I was thinking. I was picturing that when they moved to Flow Sports, when they moved everything to Flow Sports last year. That's not what it is, though. They've it's been massively upgraded. Okay. Like everything's organized. Like if you want to watch a volleyball match, you just go to volleyball. You can and honestly, they have replays there from like the whole year. Yeah. So all you gotta do is type in like if you want to watch Creighton matches, just go in to volleyball, type in Creighton, and then all their volleyball matches that are on Flow Sports are there to rewatch anytime. Right. So I mean, it's it's worth the money. I feel like. For, I mean, I rewatch stuff all the time. So right, maybe, right. I'm, maybe I'm rare. You look I tired. Think, well, sorry. we should probably extend this conversation. We should have a. We should have a. Yeah, a podcast special where we talk about certain issues in college sports, and one of them would be uh, mm-hmm. the. That's a good maybe like an August podcast, right? Yeah, just give like a state of the union on our feelings about things about women's sports and new it's rules, college sports in general. But also, I mean, women's sports is a part of that. But yeah, I just feel like there's like the the ref, like. The reforms that need to happen are so heavy at the women's level right now just to kind of catch things up because yeah. I think they're – I think it's big time now and there's like a lot of catch-up that needs to be do, done in terms of, you know, um, television networks acting accordingly. Yeah, right, right. You know what I mean? So, well, that's enough from us. Solid hour 45. Um, just what you come to expect from myself and – Mr. Niotawa, so hopefully we entertained you and gave you some good insight. Uh, we appreciate all the questions, all the comments. We love the feedback. Um, so thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we look forward to this week ahead. Make sure you're checking out all the work. Uh, subscribe to the White and Blue Review Network. That's where all the podcasts are. We got the volleyball podcast with myself and Megan Ballinger. We just dropped a new episode. That's Last good, by night. the way. I, lis- I listened She's, to that on the way isn't down. Isn't she here. incredible? It's good. It's good. Like I, I, she needs to start doing the TV games because her, like her volleyball mind is insane. I learn every time, something new every time. So yeah, check that out if you haven't already. We preview, we we recap the Big East tournament, and then preview um, this upcoming NCAA regional and Creighton's matchup with Ole Miss. Then check out John's uh, podcast with Lincoln Arniel. Um, 
previewing Creighton, Nebraska's draw and the tournament as a whole. It looks like, I mean, I only saw the preview, but it looks like a pretty good listen, so I'm going to check that out tomorrow. Um, and yeah, just follow John's work at Omaha.com. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. Hit him up at his email address that he dropped earlier. And then, yeah, whiteandbluereview.com, et cetera, et cetera. You know where to go. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you all have a good, fun week of Jays games. Yep.